Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Today we want to look at some biblical principles that God put into place to help us avoid deception and even reverse the deceptions that we might be living by. So we're going to look at some three, three aspects today, and unfortunately we don't have the time to just really do these in detail. This is more of a highlight type of thing because you could preach several messages on any one of these. But we're going to look at spiritual authority, we're going to look at spiritual covering, and we're going to talk about the authority of the believer, which Pastor Jack just mentioned there. And we're going to start with Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Uh, in the New International Version, you'll find out I use different versions usually. And what this says is a very important scripture. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And the authorities that exist have been established by God. Verse 2, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebellious against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. That's a pretty serious statement. Now, if you continue in Romans 13 through verse 7, it would appear that it might only be talking about civil authority, since it goes on about breaking laws and paying taxes. Hallelujah about that, huh? Pay your taxes. But verses 1 and 2 are really establishing a biblical principle here that God puts authority into place, and we are to be submissive to that authority. So there's a couple of things that I'd like to point out here. It's really exactly, pretty much exactly what these verses say. That, first of all, everyone must submit his or herself to authority by an act of our own will. God is not like man. He did not force us to submit. But He desires it to be our choice to do this. And submission says, I am with you in good times or bad. I am with you when you're right and even when you're wrong. Or I think you're wrong. I am with you because God has put you in that place and He knows more about it than I do. Truth is, submission, especially in the church, it's a covenant relationship. When we're submitting to the spiritual authority God has put over us. The second thing is, all authority has been established by God, who is the supreme authority. That's what the scripture said. God has established his principal authority and levels of authority. And this is God's idea and plan, it's not man's. Therefore, we should really understand it and we should follow after it. The third thing the Scripture had in there, that anyone who rebels against any authority, this is a strong statement here, folks, anyone who rebels against any authority is rebelling against God. That's a one to consider. That could be a Selah moment. The, third, the fourth thing is there are serious consequences for rebellion, and we should know that anyways. Rebellion is... Pretty serious uh, thing to, to the Lord. So Romans 13 tells us God has put authorities on the earth, 
And the term that gets used for that, we could call them delegated authorities. Now, to delegate means to entrust a task or responsibility to another person. It is to send or authorize someone to do something as a representative. I think we could see in the Bible the history of God's delegated authorities on the earth. It actually started with Adam. Because God gave Adam authority on this earth. When you think about it, he told Adam he could name all the animals. But he gave, he gave Adam the authority and responsibility to take care of the earth, just starting in a garden, but had the whole earth that was there. He, was, he had the authority to carry the image of God, create children in the image of God. However, Adam and Eve fell for Satan's deceit, his deception, and here we say, serious consequences of rebellion. That result was devastating for all of mankind that would come after them and includes us. And I would say that was a pretty serious consequence. We could look at Abraham as a delegated authority. He had the assignment to establish a new nation. Perhaps Joseph could be seen as a delegated authority in his ultimate position of authority in Egypt. But God used that situation to save the bloodline of Abraham so that nation could be established. Now Moses, I think, was most definitely a God-delegated authority. God delegated Moses to get the Israelites out of Egypt, and he uses Moses to give them the commandments and the laws. However, as God's delegated authority, he experienced a lot of rebellion in the camp, and that cost the lives of many people. I'm sure you've read a lot of these instances here, and because I'm going to be going to uh, talking about numbers, but I want to review two of these, and we're going to look at what happened here. Numbers 12, Moses' older sister Miriam and older brother Aaron criticized Moses because he married a woman who wasn't an Israelite. And then they basically said, you know what, we can hear God as well as he can. Now, you've got to look at this from a natural perspective. I said they were older sister and older brother. <laughs> they're, they're having to submit to the kid, kid brother, as we would say it today. So I don't, maybe they didn't like that. Well, what's interesting, God called all three of out to meet with him. And when God started talking, Aaron and Miriam stepped forward and God talked to them about what they were doing. The last thing he said to them was, why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And then God left. And what happened, Miriam turned white with leprosy. Aaron saw that. He sort of panicked, and he went to Moses and said, Lord, would you pray for mercy? Ask God for mercy for us. Then God did say then, pretty much the, the essence of that was, Miriam had to stand, stay outside the camp for seven days. Leprosy was contagious, and so she had to stay out. And no one could move for seven days until she got healed. I want to give you some little principle about that. Criticizing God's delegated leaders will, nullify, will delay or nullify God's plans and purposes. And that's a pretty serious thing when that takes place. I wonder how many people are criticizing their churches and wonder why things aren't happening the way they think they should happen. Then they need to be checking their own hearts, just saying. Then there was a rebellion in Numbers 16 of Korah, Datham, and Abiram. They falsely accused Moses of exalting himself above everyone else and that he had not taken them into the promised land yet, which I thought was very interesting because actually in Numbers 13, 
which is where Moses sent the, ten, the, the 12 spies into the promised land. I'm sure you know that story too. The 10 of them came back and gave pretty much a negative report. The people believed that. They lost their faith. They forgot all that God did to get them out of Egypt, all the miracles He did. He, he dried out a sea for them to walk through. They get on the edge of the promised land, and they didn't get to go in because of their unbelief and their lack of faith in God at that point. And if you read that, God was very angry with them. That's the reason why the Israelites had to wander the wilderness for 40 years until the older generation died off. So here, this is later. So Korah, Datham, and Abiram should have remembered that, hey, we're walking this wilderness because of the rebellion then. But they're coming against it. They accuse Moses of not taking him into the promised land yet. Well, What's Moses supposed to do? So, without getting into all the details, we know that the earth opened up and swallowed up Korah, Datham, Abiram, their entire family, and other people around them. And in that same account, there was 250 uh, Levites that had censors out there, and they were, they were coming really against the authority of Aaron at that point, and fire came out of heaven and destroyed all 250 of those. So it was a rather radical day, and you think that that would wake up the Israelites. However, the next day, the people were blaming Moses for the rebels' death, and a plague broke out amongst the people. Until by the time that Aaron could get a censer, which, you know, censers represent the incense, and there represents our prayers. But by the time he could get through the camp, there was another 14,700 people died. And so in two days, the Israelites lost a lot of people. But what came out of this is obvious that the people were tainted by those three rebels. So here's another thing you've got to remember. Don't let yourself be tainted by rebels. Because we, can, we cannot fall into the stuff that the enemy is using through other people. So don't let yourself be tainted by people who are rebellious. Another thing out of this is that one person's rebellion doesn't just affect them. One person's sin doesn't just affect them. It's always affecting someone else. It will affect your family. It will affect friends and beyond that, all possible. So those are two examples of coming against God's delegated authority on the earth. Then the Israelites, over the years, had priests and prophets as their delegated authorities by God. God was leading the Israelites through the prophets, through the priests. And so for many years, they start, but then that was going on for many years. Then the Israelites start demanding a king. This is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 8. It starts there. They wanted a king like other nations. And they just kept, they just kept pressing the issue, you might say. And the Lord told Samuel to warn the people about what that king is going to require of them if they want to do it, if they want a king like the rest of the world. But see, God was leading them the way he wanted to lead them, through prophets and the priests. Saul was the first king there. As I was reading through this, modern vernacular, we would say he was the one that was tall, dark, and handsome. He was out there doing some, some warfare things as well, and he was being successful. And they kept looking at him and saying, he must be the one. So God gave them what they wanted. And that didn't work out real well in the long run. But then God, even during Saul's 
reign there. You know that God went and chose his own king, and we know who that was. That was David. And that overall worked out a lot better when God chose the king. Here's a point here. Don't choose a spiritual authority using your own criteria. Find the one that God wants for you, the spiritual authority that God wants to place you under. Don't look for the charismatic, good-looking, smooth-talking performance person. Find the one who is humble, is loving, caring, real, authentic, a lover of God, and they're under spiritual authority as well because we all need to be under spiritual authority. Now, Hebrews 13, 17, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. I don't have the slide for this, but listen carefully. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare. As men or women who will have to render an account of their trust. Now, here's the part that every pastor wants, wants you to listen to. <laughs> do your part. Let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable for you either. And having been a pastor, I would say, yeah, I would emphasize that for sure, that we could do this without groaning, without sighing. But this scripture establishes delegated authority in God's church today. King James Version says, obey them that have the rule over you. Now that rule there doesn't mean to lord it over someone because the word rule in the Greek in this, in this verse says to give shepherd-like leadership. And we know a shepherd cares, loves, and guides his flock. And in the wilderness, he covers the flock by protecting them from wolves, bears, other predators. Well, today, our wilderness is this world. And when one of the sheep in a church strays, he or she is going to get chased by predators. You can be guaranteed that. And the predators are the demonic forces that want to take the sheep down. So as shepherds, our leaders have the responsibility to let us sheep know when we're straying from the flock with things like immorality, pride, foolishness, rebellion. Now, here's a long word that you might not want to hear, unchangeableness. Folks, things are changing. They're going to change. They are changing. God wants to change things. But we as human beings don't like change. You know, we like it just the way it is. We, we're comfortable with the way things are, even if it isn't perfect. But we resist change. I used to tell my congregation there's only three things in the entire universe that are constant. God, His Word, and change. And so, you need to be ready for the change that is coming. Leaders of churches need to be seeking the Lord as what needs to change in our midst. And so, we're going to see change. Not all the change we're going to see is going to be good out there in the world. But in the church world, God is moving mightily, as Pastor Jack mentioned the other week, that the prophets are using the word reset. The church is in reset. We don't all know what all that means, but it's all, for, with him, it's all good. So allow God to reset things for us. Let's not get into the sin of unchangeableness. 
And I could spend a lot more time on that. But if these kind of things are allowed to stay in the heart of a Christian, it won't be long before they could totally fall away and they'll be subject to those predators. So stay under the submission to spiritual authority because that spiritual authority is also a spiritual covering for you. They go hand in hand because if you pull yourself out from under the authority God has placed over you, then you've pulled yourself out from the spiritual covering that was there to protect you, protect you from deception. That word cover there is both a verb and a noun. Listen to this now. Cover as a verb means to guard from attack, to afford protection or security to, and to maintain a check on. That's what as a verb is. As a noun, it means something that protects, shelters, or guards. It means a position or situation affording protection from enemy fire. All of us who had been in the military, you've heard cover and concealment. Cover is protecting yourself against the bullets of the enemy, finding a get behind a, a wall or whatever. So cover means protecting us from enemy fire. And the major reason that leaders need to guard the church, especially today, is this, and for us to stay under covering is this rampant spread of deception in the world today. And I've never seen anything like it. Probably most of us would say that. In all my life, we've never seen the deception that's in the world today. Mark 13, 5, New Living Translation. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. Jesus said this. In the rest of that chapter, Jesus talks about the end times. And so it was Mark 13, 5. You might want to take a look at that. Paul gave many warnings to the church about not being deceived. In Galatians 6, 7, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, both start with be not deceived. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let no man deceive you by any means. Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. So, principle out of all of that is... Stay under your spiritual covering so you don't get eaten by the wolves. Now, 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, New Living Translation says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. So we're in a little, a little transition now. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 11 in the English Standard Version. We'll talk about this. When he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. He said, Lord, my servant is lying parallels at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, he goes. To another, come, he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? We're just talking about authority here, but he says, I haven't found this kind of faith in all of Israel. What he was doing is linking an understanding of authority 
and walking in faith because we need to exercise our authority with faith and understanding that there are two gloves to put on our, our hands. So the centurion recognized the authority that Jesus operated in. We don't know how he knew it. He may have heard about Jesus. He may have been present when Jesus performed a miracle or healed some people. The point is the centurion recognizes, recognized Jesus' authority and Jesus called it faith. Now, some would say, well, of course Jesus has authority. He's the Son of God. He's part of the Trinity. But if you're thinking that, we're either not understanding or forgetting that Jesus walked as a man in the flesh when he was on this earth. He operated as a man. And there's some scripture to back that up. He was, here's what I believe he was doing. He was demonstrating how we are to operate in the principles of the kingdom, which includes using the authority that he has given us. Now, about three weeks ago, Pastor Jack talked about this, and I definitely learned something from it, but it fits in right here. He, talk, he was talking about the coronavirus situation, and he went to the occurrence in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus and the disciples were crossing the lake, and a severe storm came up while Jesus was sleeping. Again, you, you probably know that story. So the disciples were feel, fearful, and they woke Jesus up. He calmed the storm, and he said to the disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, that word Greek translated fearful in that particular spot in the King James really means timid. And some translations use that, uh, the word timid. So the insinuation here was, why are you guys so timid? Why didn't you take your authority and your faith to tell the storm to settle down? And he was probably thinking to himself, and besides that, I needed to rest. I was sound asleep. So anyway. <laughs> Pastor Jack made a couple of statements in that message also. as He, was ta he talked about that incident. But here's what some of the things he said I want to remind you of. Social distancing is necessary, but authoritative faith is more necessary. And the other thing he said was, we realize we have authority to pray into this. Authoritative faith that we need to be exercising in the circumstances that we find ourselves and this entire world in right now. Pastor Jack also said this, that God allows storms to come into our lives so we can learn our authority. This is not an overnight thing. You really have to practice this. And that was the next thing he said, begin to practice taking Overt authority in prayer. What did that mean? What does overt mean? It means it's done or shown op openly. It's plainly or readily apparent. It's not secret or hidden. So this is something that we just we don't want to do it uh, like timid. We want to speak forth things and make decrees. Tell the enemy how it's going to be. This, and we're getting into probably my, my pet thing right now, is trying to get the body of Christ to recognize this spiritual authority that we have and start walking in it. Amen. Everybody's life would be so much better. This world would be so much better if we would learn to exercise this. And Pastor Jack mentioned this book, and I, I, didn't, I wanted to put it in a, on a slide and I forgot, but I Give You Authority by Charles Kraft, Chosen Books. And I highly recommend it. You can see about how thick it is, but it's because there's a lot of stories in here confirming what he has in here. 
I haven't totally read that, but I've been perusing it, and I'm excited about what that is. It's a textbook for this subject. Everything I'm talking about today is found in there. Now, you know, a policeman has authority to do certain things because they're backed up by a governing body that gave them the authority for the good of the public. Do you realize that we have been delegated to be God's sheriffs on this earth? All of us. And we're backed up by the government of the universe. We have responsibility. I, I, I say this, I've said this so many times to people when we are ministering to them. I said, it's our job to manifest Satan's defeat on this earth by operating in the kingdom authority we've been given. That's our job. That's part of our job. One of Satan's biggest deceptions is that we don't have any authority in God's kingdom. That's one of his biggest deceptions. And especially, he doesn't want us to recognize that we have authority over him as well. So if he can keep us walking in those deceptions, it's going to affect our lives. So don't fall prey to his deception. James 4, 7. You all know what that says, but I'm going to read it out Amplified. So be subject to God. Stand firm against the devil. Resist him. He will flee from you. I have used the term already, buzz off bozo. <clears throat> now, my wife, Sandra, added to this sermon this morning, and I'm very glad she did because I want to share this out of the Passion Translation. Because we, we like, what we like about this, um, the footnotes take up half of this book, and it's like going through Bible school. And I want to read from Matthew 16 uh, out of this, and I'm going to read you some footnotes because this just fits right into what we're talking about here. It says, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? And they answered, well, some are convinced you're John the baptizer. Others say you, you are Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say I am? Jesus asked. And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah. For you didn't discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I think King James says revelation. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth, this truth of who I am is, will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. My legislative assembly. Now let me stop there and read the footnote on this. Why did this guy put in this translation? Well, here's why. Because this was the, the Greek word for church that was used here is ekklesia. And you're going to hear that a lot nowadays. Which really means legislative assembly or selected ones. And this was not a religious term at all, even those days. But it was a political, governmental term that is used many times in classical Greek for a group of people who have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. For Jesus to use this term means he is giving the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. 
And we're the church. This is stretching your theology, I'm sure. Let me move on here. He said, okay, so truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys, and keys are a symbol of authority and ruling power. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom, kingdom realm, to forbid on earth which is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So, there's another biblical example of the authority that God has given us. Jesus said in Matthew 28, right before uh, the, the ascension, He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples. Well, what's, what's He inferring here? I've got this authority. I'm imparting to you. Go therefore. Didn't Jesus tell us that we're going to do greater things than He did? And that, that boggles the mind too. What do you mean? We're going to do greater things than you did. You know, we're not, we're not God. But what he's saying here, you've got authority, use your faith, and you can accomplish those greater things that he said that we could do. Okay, to summarize, let me give you, go back over these 10 points that we made through this whole thing. Everyone must submit his or herself to authority By an act of our own will. All authority has been established by God, who is the supreme authority. Anyone who rebels against any authority is rebelling against God. There are serious consequences for rebellion. Criticizing God's delegated leaders will delay or nullify God's plans and purposes. Don't let yourself be tainted by rebels. One person's rebellion doesn't just affect them, it affects their family, their friends, and beyond. Don't choose a spiritual authority using your own criteria. Find the one God wants for you. Stay under your spiritual covering so you don't get eaten by the wolves. And let's begin to practice taking overt authority in prayer. So being under spiritual authority is a key to being free of deception. Now, some people might say, well, this doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable to put yourself under the authority of someone else to get freedom. Well, it wasn't reasonable for God to send His only begotten Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. It wasn't reasonable that Christ would come to earth only to die a horrible death on the cross. We... Last week, we celebrated Good Friday and Easter. You know, he died that horrible death on the cross. It wasn't reasonable that all the sins of the world were dumped on a man who was sinless. It wasn't reasonable that blood had to be shed to cover up sins and remit sins. But we've got to overthrow our human reasoning in this whole thing. We've got to recognize God is God. We're not. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. But here's something else we need to recognize. We need to recognize that which Jesus did on the cross for us was the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. 
there is no greater act of love. And then that was, that was good. And it was a good Friday. For us, it was a good Friday. And then came Easter. Because the greatest victory the world has ever seen was the resurrection. That was a war that Jesus won for us. So if you're wanting to be free of deception and walking in the authority over Satan's tactics against you, it's a good time to ask Jesus to be your Savior and to be your Lord so you can live the victory that he's provided for you. And I always point out when I talk to people about their relationship, I point out he's not just a Savior, he's also Lord. And so many people just want him to be their Savior. They're not really submitting to what he's saying or what he wants to do. And submitting to his authority as the Lord of the universe and the Lord of this earth. So right now, if you would like to do that, and you, again, you may have said prayers many, many times. This is an opportunity to do it again. I want to encourage you to do that. And you're there at home. You know, you might want to bow your head and close your eyes. You might want to get down on your knees in humble submission to the Lord. You might want to stand up, throw your hands up, and surrender to the Lord, but also in worship unto Him. However you want to do it, it's fine. Even in your pajamas. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer, and Pastor Jack will be coming back up. So follow me, if you would, with this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me so much that you died for my sins. I thank you for defeating the enemy of my soul for me. I want to live my life in the freedom, in the victory, and the authority you have provided for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, especially the sin of rebellion. I receive you as my Savior. I submit to you as my Lord. I ask you for the promise of the Holy Spirit in my life so I can live victoriously. I ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Pastor Jack. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it before, but you felt as if uh, you weren't completely honest in praying it, but this morning something different happened, something rose up within you, something that you knew God was listening to what you were saying, or even if you were just praying in faith, throwing your heart up before the throne in a new and a unique way. Um, when we conclude the service this morning, there'll be a, an opportunity uh, for you to respond. If you look at your screens, and uh, we would love contact you or have you contact us. We'd like to get some material to you. We'd like to get 
get you connected to that legislative body, which is called the church. That was a stirring message. The truth of it eludes so, so many in the church. It was, it's, it's such an important message for this time. So in closing, what I'd like to do is model what Pastor Barry uh, spoke to us about. I'd like to model it by taking an authoritative prayer that we can move together as a church. Um, so if you're watching or if you're listening, uh, wh wherever you are, even, even if you're listening to a recording of this later on, that, that agreement knows no time. We can agree together. And what I would like to do is uh, to speak to the storm, the storm of this virus. Uh, we have authority to say, if, we can, if, if, if Jesus chastened the disciples for not calm, calming the winds and the waves, uh, why wouldn't he chasten us for not calming the storm of this, uh, of this pestilence, this virus that's on the earth? And it may seem grandiose, but I believe it's God. I'm stirred consequent to this message. So let's pray together. Father... In the name of Jesus, we speak to this pestilence, to this storm, and we speak an authoritative word. Your word says, God, that we are with you in your throne as you are with the Father in his throne. Out of that throne, as a, as a legislative body on the earth, the ecclesia, the church, we at NC4 are those of us who are online. Just, we agree together. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we speak to COVID-19 to abate in the name of Jesus. We speak to it to abate in the name of Jesus. And we take authority over the violence of it in the name of Jesus. And we believe that. And we express that together with one heart. Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.